Top 10 Tips for Beginner Photographers. This is the Wild Eye Podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Jerry, I'm from Wild Eye, and in episode 339, I'm very excited to bring you Matt Yardley. Matt is one of the brand new members of our guiding team, and I couldn't be more proud to have him on board. Go and check him out on Instagram, I will link all of his links down in the description of this podcast, but let's get right to it. In this, his first episode on his own, Matt shares top 10 tips for beginner photographers. Now, if you follow him on Instagram, and you really, really should, you would have seen that he's asked the questions online, and that's where this came from. So I had a listen, there's some great value in this one. I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey everyone, how's it going? So I had a bit of a fun one today that I would love to share with you um, over a podcast. Somebody, or quite a few people in fact, have asked me for the top 10 tips for beginner photographers. So it had me thinking and there's so many tips and there's so many things to do and especially so many things not to do. So how do you boil it down to 10? Well, what I did was I quickly sat down and I quite literally scribbled a very quick list as though I was in a sighting um, with a guest who's a beginner photographer and, you know, just going through some of the questions, the more asked questions or more frequent tips that I give. So I figured that's what I would share with you um, just to try and boil it down and make it a bit more simple. Um, so let's get straight into it. Okay. And it's number one, point one of 10 is which camera do I buy? Uh, which is the best equipment is the first question I get so often. And if you really want an honest answer, it's any camera, any camera, uh, Canon, Nikon, Sony, whichever brand you choose and whatever you can afford is the camera you buy. So to narrow it down a little bit and to make, try and make sense of it, you know, people overthink this and they think that better or more expensive is better, but the world is going mirrorless, that's for sure. So if you can afford a mirrorless, an entry-level mirrorless camera, great. But remember, especially if you're going to be doing wildlife photography, you're going to want potentially two lenses, a longer lens, a zoom lens, maybe say 100 to 400 odd range, and then maybe a shorter lens um, around the 24 mil up to about 75 mil, somewhere around there. Um, just a bit more of a wide angle. So just keep that in mind. But whatever you can afford is the equipment you should get. Basically, whatever's in your bag right now is a great place to start. Where I would spend money takes me on to point number two. So point two is get a good memory card. This is where, you know, it can actually get a little bit expensive, but I think it's well worth it in, in my opinion. A good memory card that's got a fast writing speed um, and a good sized memory will help you when you're taking a photograph in burst mode, which we'll get onto in a bit, but if you're taking a burst sort of shoot, if, you, if you're taking a, a burst range of photos, you're going to want that memory card to save as much data as possible so that the camera doesn't stop shooting. Often what happens with a slower memory card or a, a one without so much RAM, perhaps what it'll do is it'll start to jutter. So it'll go tick, 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 stop, tick, 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 stop. And then you have to wait for that card to load. And that can really affect the sighting, especially if something exciting is happening. So I would suggest getting a good memory card. It also allows you to take more photographs to sort of even out the chances so that by law of average, you get much better photos in the end. That's where I would spend a bit of money. And that also takes me into point three, by the way. So in point three, what I talk about a lot is shooting in RAW. There's often an argument that I've come across around JPEG versus RAW. I always shoot in RAW. 
because I've spent that money, that little bit, I've put that investment into a good memory card, it allows me to shoot at will. So by shooting in RAW, you're getting, you know, file sizes, 20 meg, 25 meg, whatever your camera takes or can reach. And what that does, it gives you an enormous amount of information. Again, if you get that perfect shot, you're going to be able to want to really edit it to its absolute, the most potential that can, it can reach. And a raw photograph will help you do that. Also, which takes me on to point number four, is auto white balance. If you're shooting in raw, don't worry about the white balance. Put it onto auto white balance. So often I've seen photographers who are starting out sit in sightings and say, oh, my photograph is too hot or too cold because they've heard that from somewhere. Whereas actually, if you're shooting in RAW, white balance plays very little, if any part at all. And it get, you then focus on the more important things, such as focal points, sharpness, shutter speeds, and of course, composition. If you're shooting in RAW, if you've got a good memory card and you're not worrying about your white balance, then what I suggest is this, point number five, okay? Three burst, I call it three burst. So basically, I've got my camera set up so that it's a continual shooting mode and I'll often take bursts of three photographs. And I'm gonna bring in point number six, which is focus on the eye, okay? That's the one of the most important things ever. So I'm gonna leave number five for a second. Number six is focus on the eye, okay? When, everybody, when anybody hands you a puppy or a photograph of their girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever the case is, it's human nature that we focus on the eye almost immediately. So in, then as a photographer, the most important thing for us when we're trying to tell a story or take a photograph is to make sure that that eye is 100%. To make sure that that eye is 100% in focus. Therefore, going back to point number five, I take three bursts. And the reason being is, let's say we're photographing a lion. If the lion starts to turn his head toward us and I want to get him looking into the lens, and I click my camera away, there's a very good chance that he may blink, perhaps a piece of grass blowing in the wind blows in front of his eye, and it completely destroys that photograph. So by taking three bursts in quick succession, I'm lessening the odds of that sort of thing happening. I found this to be very, very, very productive in my photography, especially when you get to a computer. You may not see it on the back of your camera, but when you put it onto a computer, that's when you start noticing these little details. And of course, that brings me to number seven. <laughs> number seven is a plea, a big please. Um, please don't delete off your camera. If you're starting out as a photographer and probably even if you're later on sort of down the line in your photography, please don't delete off the camera. I've had so many guests wipe their memory cards. Um, in South Africa, we have to send, I've sent guests off to a company in Cape Town to try and retrieve some of that data and often quite unsuccessful in that regard. All right, so let's move on to point number eight. This one is a bit more tricky. This one isn't always an option, but always something to keep in mind, okay? And I call it below the eye line. I find it so important that in wildlife photography in particular, you try and get below the, the animal's eye line. So let's say, for example, the animal's walking toward you. Imagine that there's a line coming straight out of the animal's eye, which you're going to be focusing on, of course, and the line is running parallel to the ground. Try and get below that line, if possible. The reason for that is it's going to give the, peop the person looking at your photograph a sense of inferiority, which is a great emotion to, 
to sort of portray in a photograph, especially when you're photographing big animals. It's the sort of emotion that you're looking to stir in someone looking at that photograph. So if you can do it, often what, what works well is if you move the vehicle away a bit further, because we're always trying to get right up close onto that animal. It's just a sort of, it's now nature to buy a big lens and get close. So try and move the vehicle a little bit further away. That will lessen the angle and hopefully get you below that eye line, which will make for a much better photograph. Right, always look behind the subject. Point number nine, okay? Storytelling in photography is everything. I'll be doing many, many podcasts and blogs on this around the storytelling. And it's definitely one of my favorite things to speak about um, around photography. But always look behind the camera. So often we're so focused on the subject that we forget what's happening behind. And if we're telling a story, whatever's behind the subject is going to be so important. For me personally, I will always try and shoot for negative space. So we try and look for a big gap between the animal and the trees in the background, for example. Let's say you have a golden lion and good light and dark green trees in the background. There's a wonderful story to be told there, perhaps, because there's going to be so much separation from the subject to the trees. If you're taking a photograph and the lion is very close to a scraggly bush, try and look for an opportunity to move around so that there's less behind the animal. Generally, the rule of thumb is you want the photograph to be simpler so less background noise, let's call it, um, which makes the person looking at the photograph less uncomfortable when they're looking at all of the stuff happening that's going on. So try and keep the photograph simple. And one way to do that is always look behind the subject. Brilliant. And let's go to the last point. And the last point is around patience. Okay. People want beginner photographers ask me one of the most important things. And perhaps I would say patience among the other important things that I've mentioned today. But why I say that, I always call it the famous five and my friends give me a hard time because it's super cheesy. But in all honesty, the last five minutes, you know, when you when you want to leave a sighting, just give it five minutes. Just wait that little bit extra. It's amazing how often something changes and gives you an opportunity to take a whole new photograph. It's amazing how often it happens. So, you know, famous five, um, let's spread it out there. Let's hashtag it. Let's make it a thing. Um, and we'll show my friends that it's actually a legit thing. But <laughs> um, just, you know, even if nothing does happen, it's going to start getting you into that sort of patient mindset. You know, photography, it requires a lot of that. So that's what I, I would suggest as the last point for today. So there's my fast quick fire tips, my top 10 quick fire tips for beginners. I hope it helps. Please comment below, send me a message if you have any questions and I'll definitely be sending through a lot more stuff around storytelling, the top tens, top fives and so much more. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch up soon. And there you go. So if you want to get hold of Matt and ask deeper questions or more questions or book a trip or whatever the case might be, go and find him on Instagram. I will link it down in the description of this uh, podcast. And again, if you want to email us, my email, jerry, G-E-R, at wildeye.co.za. That's wildeye, two words, with a hyphen in between, .co.za. And Matt would be matt, M-A-T-T, at wildeye.co.za. Guys, as always, thank you for your time. Thank you for lending us your ears. And I will chat to you in the next episode. My name is Jerry. I'm from Wild Eye. Have a good one. Yeah.